the first year I joined April's family for Christmas, we were tasked, like every, every family member had something else they were supposed to make. We were tasked with making spaghetti. I'm like, who eats spaghetti on Christmas, right? Um, so we make like this big batch of spaghetti, spaghetti sauce. I'm like, this is way too much. Let's just take, you know, like half. He's like, no, trust me, they'll eat it all. I'm like, there's no way we're going to eat this much spaghetti. It was like this giant container of spaghetti, you know? I'm like, let's, let's just save some, eat it later. And then we bring it. And sure enough, every one of her family members, they're Vietnamese, right? So they're Asian. So they love noodles. Their main course on their plate was spaghetti. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like we had turkey and stuffing awesome. and like all the Thanksgiving stuff. And they're all just loading up their plate with spaghetti. Be like, why don't you guys bring more spaghetti? Oh, oh you didn't have enough because you didn't listen. <laughs> yeah. When will you boys learn? They never let me forget that. Every time we're together happy with their wife, family. Happy life. They're like, do you bring enough spaghetti, Charlie? Friday. This week I did it my way. I made lots of juice, and now I feel a boost. Baby, say, oh, it's the way I make my juice. Pressing fruits and roots. This week I did it my way. Baby, say, oh, now let's have some fun. There is nothing greater than Friday's act of nature. Woo, what's up, my juice lovers? Welcome to... Good Nature Radio. This is your host, Charlie Wetlaufer, joined by my esteemed co-host, the one and only chef, Ari Sexner. What's up, Ari? How's it going? And of course, the number one, oh, the number one juice business is all in the world. And of course, <laughs> also- oh, no! <laughs> that made myself so late. <laughs> and also the author Ari. of The Juicing Companion. He's still going off on Ari. <laughs> <laughs> We'll I, came up with the, I came up with a new nickname for Olivia. <laughs> Sit but, back, Olivia. <laughs> I came up with a new nickname for Olivia, but I had to use Google Translate to get it, so I don't know if it's correct. Oh, God. Of this course. Could be really bad. La Mujer Cubana. Olivia <laughs> Esquivel. <laughs> Is that good? Very good. That was nice. great. <laughs> that Olivia. was great. The, Cuba, the Cuban woman. <laughs> <laughs> Founder and owner of Southern Press Juicery, one of the top <laughs> juice bars in the country. And, of course, the founder of Wild Crafted Collection. Uh, no special guest today. We had a nice break for Thanksgiving. How was y'all's Thanksgiving? It was great. Awesome. Yeah. It was good. Mine was a good. Lot of, a lot of soccer. Oh, really? That's what you do on Thanksgiving? The World Cup <laughs> is going on, Oh yeah, Charlie. That's true. We had to plan the turkey in between the games. So Actually, it was football. Yeah. Yes, it was football. Okay, Good Nature Radio is the weekly Friday podcast where the juicing industry comes to get help with starting and growing a juice bar, home, home-based home juice business, or cold-pressed juice delivery company. podcast is brought to you by Good Nature, the world leader in commercial cold-pressed juicers and juice business consulting. 100% family-owned business since it was founded in 1976 by my dad, Dale Wetlaufer. Comment or question by leaving us a voice message to play on the air Head over to goodnature.com slash radio. That's also where you can request a free consultation with our juicing experts to download valuable resources. Okay, so today we've got some good stuff. Uh, we've got a someone called in left a voicemail following up on the smart fridge stuff, so we'll go over that. Um, we have a question about structuring a business. We have a Question about a made-to-order juice menu. Calculate nutritional uh, facts for recipes. And then, of course, we've got our pro tips segment that we'll do at the end. So let's get into it. So the first question came to us on social media. And this is from... Oh, I actually don't have the name. Uh, the question is, when opening a second location, how do you structure the second location? As an LLC, question mark? So I think this is more like you open our, under the same entity, like a new entity. What kind of entity do you use? Same brand, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess we're assuming this is the same brand, right? And assuming it's not a franchise. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Olivia, you've experienced in this. Maybe you can uh, touch on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um... 
you know, I think it's, if it's definitely the same brand, um, obviously there is, I've done this a couple of times. I opened in Austin, that shop didn't end up working out. And then I have, now I have one in Charlotte and I have a second location in Greenville. So I've got three shops and each one has its own LLC and not a lawyer, go and contact your lawyer, um, you know, to get all the advice. But from what I understand, that helps you protect each entity. So if something goes wrong in Charlotte, um, that only that LLC is affected. It doesn't affect any of the other LLCs. Like say, let's say there's a recall or somebody gets sick from the raw juice or, you know, something like that, slip and fall, whatever. Um, it only affects that one LLC and everything else is protected as well as the owners. So that's how I structure mine. I do keep it all under the same brand. And I think one follow-up question to that is, that I often get is, um, what do you do with the social media perspective? Um, and I think that really depends on how similar all your different units are. If you're keeping the same menu and the same offerings for the most part in all the different units, I really like to keep one social media um, because it's just so hard to beat those algorithms right now. And if you've got something going already, um, keep it going and just detail in your bio that you've got two locations. But I would do a separate LLC and try to keep all your branding the same and just differentiate, you know, which location is offering whatever special it might be offering. So I don't know if that's the cure, cure all for everybody, but that's what I do. Anything to add, Ari? No, I leave that up to the experts. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, a couple things about separate locations, separate entities, et cetera. There, there is a liability aspect where if you have truly separate entities where they have their own bank accounts, their own payroll, their own employees, then you can shield them from a liability perspective like that. But I would caution people that if you think, oh, I'll just get a separate LLC and open this next one, but you're co-mingling like bank accounts and employees and everything, then the law doesn't see that as separate business anymore. As soon as you start sharing resources between the two, then if someone does sue you, and you say, oh no, well, you can't, you can only sue this one location, then their lawyers will say, well, actually, we think we should include all the locations because they're all really the same entity. Even though you have a separate business, you're sharing bank accounts and employees and social media accounts and all this stuff. So, Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, is to make yeah. sure that you've, that you've got it separate. Like, So every single Southern Press usury has its own bank account its own LLC, its own associates. If we have associates that work at two locations, like say in Greenville, they get paid separately by right, those two exactly. locations. They have their own clock in. Um, and actually I had a client the other day who um, is coming to see me um, in Greenville. She and her husband own a bakery um, already and they're opening up a juice bar. And so we were talking about where she was going to put her X1 because um, there was more space in the bakery than in the juicery or something like that. And and I told her, just remember, if you're going to use space, like let's say you have a second location or um, like let's say she goes in the bakery and she uses her X1 there, then then that bakery or contrary, that juice bar should be paying some sort of rent to right. the bakery, right, for a shared space. So just think it all the way through with that kind of stuff. Like, you know, when we buy wholesale, um, if if somebody... Um, let's say if Washington Street, my big store in downtown Greenville buys something for the second location in Greenville, because maybe they, we don't have enough to make two drops, right? But we need to make a minimum drop of a purveyor, let's say, um, then we always do a transfer, um, a transfer of goods and a transfer of money. So just make sure it's thought all the way through and every single level. Um, I think you can still kind of commingle your social media, but definitely it needs to be... Um, thought through all the way, money, associates, all of it. Yeah, I, I guess I would caution people, like, think hard. Are you willing to commit the time and planning and management to actually managing those two separate businesses? Or do you, do you want to just have one bank account? And do you want the same manager to go back and forth between the stores? If, that, if the answer is yes, then I'll say just keep, keep one entity because beyond the liability, there's also the accounting aspects where two separate entities have to file two tax, to work. two tax returns. Yep. And it starts to get super complicated if you're sharing resources between the two companies and you have inter-entity expenses and profit, profits and like loans. 
like if you do dip into the bank account for the other location, now you have to call that a loan and then you have to pay it back and you have to calculate interest. Like we have experience with that a good nature. We ended up just bringing them all back together under one entity because it was just too much work having things separate. So my advice would be in general, don't worry about that unless you're willing to and lawyers and everything else it takes to actually do that effectively. Um, same thing for social media accounts. It's hard enough keeping up with one social media account. If you start to have multiple, it can get hard. Um, I guess, I don't know, if your two locations were in very different areas, then it makes sense to have different social media accounts, right? Well, I mean, my Charlotte location still shares the location, uh, social media with Southern Press Juicery in downtown Greenville and the second Southern Press Juicery. What we'll do is, you know, now that you have stories, we'll highlight if there's maybe like, say, a sale happening in Charlotte because juices are expiring or whatever, we'll highlight in the story that this is a sale happening only at the Park Road Shopping Center in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, and then Greenville can do their own kind of thing. But for the most part, we have um, the exact same. We release features, you know, holiday features on the same day, seasonal features. Um, so the menu is exactly right. the same. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. Yeah. Because then you just start, if you have two social media accounts, you start double posting. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's too much work. Okay, then we have a question on the Facebook group. Uh, this is from Brittany. Okay, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with my made-to-order menu. I'm opening a new location, and we are adding made-to-order juices and smoothies to our offerings. I've redone my menu a million times. How do you all settle on your menu? If a changing menu based on produce availability or a set menu help? All right, Ari, this sounds like an Ari question. Yeah, <laughs> this is like an help out one. <laughs> so there's, the made order is a lot more challenging than it seems on the outside. So when you're doing large production, it's very easy to have a consistent product, know your food costs, consistency, everything. Uh, made order, it's as close as you can be prepared for it, but uh, there's tons of variables that will factor in. You know, it's kind of like, I always tell people it's like seasoning a big pot of soup versus a cup of soup. And when you're adding that salt, you add a tiny bit too much in made order and could ruin the whole cup. Whereas you can be plus or minus like a cup on a big bowl and it will be fine. So there's a bunch of factors you want to consider. Uh, first of all, are you doing centrifugal or cold press? You know, uh, that's that's something important. Uh, centrifugal, it will it'll taste fine initially, uh, and you can easily kind of adjust the recipes as you go. Uh, but the flavor's not there as much as cold press. So cold press is a little bit challenging. And if you're having, let me start over. So if you're having bottled juices and you have your blends, you want to have that completely separate than what you're offering made to order. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to have where a customer can come in, order their blend made to order and fresh in front of them uh, because that's going to kill your bottled juice business and people are going to have huge wait times. So my suggestion is if you're having both, have it completely separate, have your blends, and then your made to order, you could be able to select a, a true like customized juice now the challenges in doing that are how do you control the food cost and the flavor at the end you know you don't want to have free range on the blends where someone comes in and orders a pure kale juice you know you're going to have four to five pounds of pure kale and it's going to yeah. taste <laughs> disgusting at the end you know it's going to uh it's not going to be cost effective at all so my recommendation is kind of having bases and with these bases that's going to make up 85 90 percent of the actual juice and use items that are kind of not too strong flavored uh slightly high yielding for getting that price point and then be able to have them select add-ons so you know your different leafy greens ginger turmeric stuff like that have them go and select their citrus, you know, so it's kind of like a guided made order options. And that way they can select any amount of those items 
and the base is still going to be like 90% of the juice, it'll still taste delicious at the end, you know? So there's quite a bit that goes into that. That's probably the best route uh, for developing a made order menu. Uh, I've, I've actually been doing quite a few recently. Uh, so uh, definitely a lot of interest in that. They've, they've been gaining more and more traction as of recent too. Uh, but I mean, feel free to reach out. We could help you develop one and work with, if you have blends currently, we could use those produce items and create a made order menu from those produce items, you know, figuring out what would work great for the bases, add-ons, the citrus. So you don't need to bring in a bunch of different product and you could cycle through that product quicker. Yeah. I've never really, at least from an operating standpoint, I've never really gotten my head wrapped around doing both in one unit. Um, I've never heard of that idea, Chef. And so I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I do think that it that it's difficult for it not to hurt one side of the business or the other. And for me, you know, this is a quick item. Um, and already your lines can get long with bowls and smoothies and lattes. And so um, I do worry about the time factor for, you know, made to order. And I guess for me, because Southern Press Usury started in a place where green juice wasn't a thing and we were already explaining what, why you should drink green juice and why it costs this and what machine we're using and that, you know, I think I told a story last podcast um, episode that somebody drove two hours and she was pissed because she wanted a made to order juice and we only do cold pressed juice in large batches. So it's actually like the reverse of this problem, right? Um, so I've spent so long trying to educate my guests that we don't do made to order, that um, it would be hard for me, I think, to now integrate it, even though they're they're so much more educated. And then, you know, so many of my, my our whole basis is around hospitality at Southern Press Juicery. So we're, we train our staff to almost never say no, find a way to, to say yes. <clears throat> and so I love the idea of the blends because that makes total economical sense. And I could totally see somebody coming in and saying, I want just kale. You know, I heard on you know, whatever, whatever, that that's what I need to be drinking. And you're like, you know, when you choose kale, you're like getting drops yeah, at yeah. a time. Um, but it would be hard for me, I think, from a hospitality standpoint to have separate ingredients and then have all of these, you know, bottled juices that maybe have more intricate ingredients like parsley or sprouts or whatever. and then say no to the guest up front that wants it in a made to order juice. So I guess doing it as an add-on makes sense. But I guess that's how you get around that. But it just feels so wrong to me to say like, no, that ingredient can only be used for this cold press juicer. Um, yeah, it's hard. I wonder why that's trending now. Is that because more people are juicing at home? It's, I mean, it's like uh, when it, they pull it off correctly, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. You know, when you yeah. go in and you see all the, the produce displayed yeah. right yeah. in front of you. You see you the smell employee the like picking their produce. You get a, mm-hmm. yeah, it is, it is. And the quality is amazing, you know, right. especially yeah. Oh, yeah. like being able to get cold pressed juice instantly, like made less than a minute ago. It's right. It's awesome. You can taste no, and just, smell every individual know. ingredient still. It's so good. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, that's all what we, ultimately came from right is from juicing from home and that kind of thing but i guess i'm wondering like why is why are people starting to trend towards that more now than before and I, then how are people being successful with it doing it both ways cold pressed with bottles and made to order okay so let's go back in time a little bit <laughs> there was so juicing people were either doing it at home or you could get mm-hmm. You could go out or you could get a smoothie or you could get a centrifugal juice. Those were the options. And then people started using good nature machines and selling bottled cold pressed juice. And then that became popular. And then all these little stores popped up in LA, New York, where you walk in and all it was was a store with a refrigerator of bottles of juice. And you just buy the bottles of juice. Mm -hmm. So then that became the kind of trend. Um, And then... And then a lot of companies started having bottled juice. So that became less differentiating, right? Differentiating became the norm. 
a lot of companies start going to HPP. Mm. So now it's starting to trend back towards like ultra fresh because locations yeah. want to stand out as being different than the others. Mm-hmm. So it's always like, what can we offer that's different than what everyone else is offering? And at first it was just bottled cold press. And now it's like fresh cold press is becoming the new different thing. So I think that's why it's going that way. And like Ari said, when you can pull it off, it really is something special and people will pay more for that. The The model I like is you have the refrigerator, the cooler with all your bottle juices for like $8 or whatever. And then if they want something custom, they have to pay extra and they know they have to wait. It's like ordering like a a latte versus just getting a drip coffee or something. So you're like, yeah, we can do a custom juice for you, but it's going to be $10 instead of eight and you can customize it. Right. You choose your base, choose your add-ons, and then whatever, kind of like Ari said. I think that's the model I like. And then whatever. They know it's going to take mm-hmm. a little bit longer. It costs a little bit more. But for the people that really want Ultra Fresh, then at least you have something for them. Um, and you can do that on the M1. That's actually what we designed the M1 for, is made-to-order juice. Yeah. That's, a, that's actually There's no why. comparison. Yeah. You know, like from a fresh centrifugal juice to a fresh cold-pressed juice. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable how different it is. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, because on a cold press, you're grinding it up and then you're pressing out all the juice, but you're leaving all the skin stems behind in the press bag. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the centrifugal juice, you're really grinding all that stuff through. So you're getting a lot of those bitter tasting notes and stuff. So it really is something special. Well, this would be a good solution, I think, because I know I run acro- across a lot of clients and people in the Facebook group that started with an M1 because they're starting out on their business and they're kind of just like wanting to dip their toes in. And then they quickly realize that their idea is taking off and that they're wanting to produce more juice than they can handle an hour wise from Mm -hmm. the M1. And then they're trying to resell their M1 or they're like, what do I do with it? You know, so this might be a good step for some of those folks out there that have an M1 um, and are ready to go to the mini or to the X1 is to work with Chef Ari to find a way to still offer this um, in their shop. It's, it's like I said, it's not something I do, but I'm really interested in learning about the bases. Yeah. Um, you can even start small. Yeah. You know, if, if you, if you want to just do one or two blends, then prepare right. for that. You know, if you're ready to go have, uh, do the custom made order juices and grow into that, you absolutely can. And maybe you can also like, I'm just thinking from a branding standpoint, maybe you could also brand that a little bit different. Like maybe that's your tonic bar or maybe Mm -hmm. that's your, Mm. um, you know, something that has, um, you don't want to call it like your green section because there's so few greens that have a lot of yield. So you want to do something that has a lot of yield. So it's faster, right? So maybe that's like your wellness tonic area. And if you want a wellness tonic, um, you know, this is the price and this is the can that it goes in or the can <laughs> bottle glass, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, you know, we talked, remember that, um, we talked recently about doing flights of juice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's where you buy a flight of juice. Yeah. Um, for sure. and maybe you get like a carrot and an immunity or whatever, but you know, just always be thinking about that branding because I think this is such an industry that it requires so much communication to the guests to explain what it is that we're doing and why the process is important, why we have the best machines. Etc. That if you're going to have two of those different machines, you've got to really explain the difference of why they cost different things, why the yield is different, why you can use some ingredients in here and not in here. So well, hold on. I, I want to push. I want to push. I want to push back on that one point because it said it a couple times using yeah. different ingredients. You don't necessarily have yeah. to do that. They can just they get to choose. Like right. they can customize and do less ginger or more ginger or whatever. But it can be the same ingredients yeah. as as the bottled stuff, as long as you're doing. Right press juice on both. Yeah. But I mean, like you wouldn't want them to come up and ask for like a, an M an M one, you know, made to order juice of just kale. Right. So, so the, yeah. the model that, that Ari works with his clients with is more like step one, choose your base. Right. right. Ari, what, like what's an, an ex- apple or a, yeah. What, what are the examples yeah. of the bases? So, Ari? Cucumber celery for like a green base, right. you know, and that'll take up, 85, 90% Mm -hmm. of the actual juice. Right. Okay. And then you have your add-ons, whatever you want to be, you know, pull from your blended menu or whatever ingredients you want, Uh then pick the citrus. Then you could even, 
say you have a superfood or adaptogen menu, mm-hmm. you could add that on absolutely for add-ons. Yeah. But the thing that people don't think of too is you're like, how do I consistently get 16 ounces at the end of the day, right. every juice? But you put it in a cup, you're, you're going to try to hit around 17, 18 ounces every time. But you put it in those smoothie cups and there's no, there's actually like a half an inch that you can be in where it looks full. Right. You know, you're not trying to shortchange your customers, but you do have that range to be able to hit. And after time, I mean, there's a bunch of tricks too to get everything as consistent as possible, like cutting your ginger or your strong flavored ingredients to the proper size. You know, like you have your your citrus cut down to 0.2 ounces, you know, so they just grab a piece and they know that's exactly what they need. So I, I would also say yeah, that so if you have you're, it pre-prepped, right? Just, yeah. Yeah, you have it pre-prepped. But also if you are weighing the recipe, it's close to 16 ounces you get when you're using one and a half pounds of whatever the blend is, as long as you have a base of like what Ari said, where the base is a consistent mm-hmm. part, right? Whether it's apple, carrot, or uh, cucumber, celery, or whatever, those right. are always going to be pretty juicy. Then everything else isn't going to change it that much. So if you just have the stuff on a scale and throw it in until it's a pound and a half or 1.6 pounds, um, it's pretty close to 16 ounces every time. It's actually surprising to me. Like when I do it in the kitchen, yeah. I'm like, oh, there you go. It's exactly 16 ounces. Like I remember on the M1, I made like six 16 ounce mm-hmm. servings of juice. And everyone filled right to the brim of the bottle. Like, it's not usually that exact, but it got so close. I was really surprised. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess that would be my tip is just, like, you, you, have a, you have a little container on a scale and you tear it and throw the stuff in. But I also know, I, I think, like, Virtue Juice and um, Vacaville, they do made to order. I don't think they weigh the recipes. I think they just have everything pre-cut. Do you remember Ari with how they do it there? Yeah. I'm I'm almost positive it's pre-cut. I, I think it's great to I mean I'm I'm big on measuring everything. Yeah. You know, but I, I think when you're doing made to order juice, after, you know, a few months of getting the routine, you're making sure you're cutting everything proper size, weigh everything initially, you know, till you have that down. Then go ahead and, and start kinda eyeballing it a little bit, you know, to speed up the process. Mm-hmm. And if you go over a little bit, that's fine too. You can always give them a little extra juice in a little cup yeah. or something. Like when you used to get milkshakes mm-hmm. and they, they give you, out. remember when you order a milkshake and they give you the extra milkshake in like a different cup <laughs> like that. Oh, it's yeah. like, Oh, an extra <laughs> present is great. But yeah, um, Ari helps people with this all the time. If anyone needs help, go over to goodnature.com slash radio. Fill out the form there. Ari would be happy to get on a uh, free consultation with you. Olivia, we should mm-hmm. we should get you going at Made to Order just as like an experiment down there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that'd be cool. Because I was even thinking, you know, like so many people want to do just straight celery. Mm-hmm. But they only want it in the morning. And then if you bottled it, they're really on this kick if they want it fresh, right? right. So <laughs> yeah. um, that would be a great little one to do is just do like a morning, ce- you know, fresh press celery made and to order. That'd also be cool. You could just um, say on the sign, like be- only serve till 10 a.m. or something, you know? Right. Be yeah. Cool. There's there's some operations, too, that'll just do a cycling, like a juice today. A juice yeah, of the day. Like a day, like a chef's mm. feature or something. Yeah. And te- they're able to test out the market and that's the yeah. one that's made fresh in front of them, like a special. So yeah, cool. it'd be cool. Like if in the winter, if you did like an immunity section, right. And then in the summer, if you did like a detox, like a skinny yeah. bar, I'm probably going to get, yeah, it's, for saying that. it's a little, uh, <laughs> why what you say? Just cause I said skinny bar. Oh, <laughs> like, so you get skinny for your bathing suit. <laughs> Okay. But you know what I mean? Like, it'd be cool yeah. to make it like a feature of like, all right, so we're in winter season, come and come and, you know, get something from our immunity tonic bar or whatever. And they could sprinkle on, you know, turmeric or whatever on the top. Right. And then in the summer, make it something like you could do like a fresh watermelon, mint and rosemary yeah. or something like that with something that has a high yield 
Um, and they can play with a couple of the little flavors that, that really make a difference. Maybe they want watermelon and lime instead of a rosemary or something. Um, that's cool. Yeah. And yeah. I would encourage people to think of it as, okay, so there's a difference if you go to Starbucks versus if you go to a real espresso bar, right? Where there's like baristas with mm-hmm. tattoos and jewelry and they're like yeah. weigh out the beans and time the water coming out. It's more like that. Like it takes a yeah, bit of planning and process and work. But when you pull it off, it's super impressive. It makes you stand out from the competition. Yep. You know, and it's it's a really cool thing. And I'm hoping that's where juicing can get to is where people really recognize the difference between like a true authentic craft cold press juicery versus like mm-hmm. the old Jamba Juice model, right? And like there's a real difference there. And I think a lot of it is just education and juicing hasn't gotten to that point yet. And I think it will happen eventually. But a lot of people still just think of juice like they don't even know the difference between a smoothie and a juice, right? So, or like centrifugal versus cold press, they don't know the difference. They think of Kuvings as a cold press or right, whatever. And I think some of that comes into like when people put smoothies in a bottle, you know, like how Suja does or Naked Juice does, like they start mm-hmm. to call... They have like their juice line in the same bottle and then they have something they call a smoothie in the same bottle and it's like a thicker. I never really got my head around that either. I just, yeah. I or sometimes I, I like to, to keep to them ma- separate. Sometimes they call it, to make it super confusing, they even call that juicing too, like or whatever, yeah. like ultimate booster juice and it's a smoothie and then yeah. that makes it super confusing too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Let's play this voicemail from Nicole, who Olivia, I think you might know. Hi, Good Nature, and a special hello to Olivia. (laughs) This is Nicole down in Okeechobee, Florida, founder of Sublime Juice Garden. Um, I reached out to Olivia before opening Sublime um, almost four years ago for some consulting, and it's been great ever since. I would highly recommend her. I think it was before she was even doing much consulting, but anyways, she's the best. Um, My question is, when you talked about the smart fridge, kind of the vending machine, is this mainly for juice or um, I think the first lady talked about being um, smoothies and bowls in there. And maybe if you guys have seen this in person, I just can't imagine a bowl in there for a couple of days. We do batch ours and we can freeze them, but um, just the question of how that looks after a couple of days in there if you have an answer to that and then how do you you do you bottle a smoothie to put in there um i love the idea of being able to um possibly get that in at our local hospital and second um let me pause there for a second um it's funny speaking of bottled smoothies (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, so well, let's you know start. My answer is going to be on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Olivia, why don't you go ahead and take this? Yeah. Um, yeah, she's got, she's from um, a small, small town um, in South Florida where I'm from, um, a little sugar mill town. And um, she's done, a, she's done a great job. She did come up to Southern Press Juicery and, and learn how to do things. She went to JuiceCon in Miami and met her team there. Um, she's been doing a great job. But yeah, she makes her bowls like I do because I taught her how to make bowls. <laughs> and if you remember the the first guest that was telling us, um, or maybe it was the second, the, the girl from Orlando um, that said she's been freezing her bowls and putting them in there. And I was like, what are you talking about? Clearly, she's got some method that Nicole and I do not have. So I need to get back with her and experiment on on um, the holding temp on that, Chef, because I just don't know. I, I think she mentioned later that she restocks like four times a day oh okay i think that might have been it but yeah i don't or wasn't it that she doesn't use liquid or something i thought she said she doesn't use liquid but anyhow i don't know um so much about that nicole but i do think that um remember i I showed some concern about like why would you put some chips in there that really you have such a low price point that then you're paying for the tag price and then the credit card fee and then you know there's just not a ton of of increase there. And so I think that I would mostly stick to either like if you could package some granola bars um, or some bagged granola, you know, like I sell bagged granola for $10. 
Um, that's something that could potentially mm. fit in there, I guess, if it fits in, in the, I don't know how, how the, um, slots are sized, but I mean, you could get creative and put granola in a bottle if you needed to, I guess. Um, I don't really know if I would do smoothies. I just, I really worry about when products, that's why I don't do third party, you know, distributors like, um, Uber eats and stuff like that, because I just hate when that product of mine leaves my hands and then now it's in somebody else's control and I don't know what it looks like when it gets there. So I kind of feel that way. At least I know the juice would stay in temp, would be safe. Would, um, I know exactly what it would look like when the, when the guests checked out with it. Yeah, we, we do this thing in a, a lot of restaurants where, uh, a lot of fine dining restaurants, especially where the cook will, on his day off, he'll come and eat, you know, so that he can experience the food as a guest, mm. you know, and that's the same thing you got to do with, with these, uh, vending machines is, you know, keep it in a fridge for however long you want to, you want to keep it in there, take it out. If it's affected slightly or in the least, then I would make adjustments. You know, there are certain ways to do it. Uh, smoothies. I don't know a way to do that. Uh, I think the category is a little skewed, especially when you go into like European or uh, Middle Eastern. They refer to incorporating a puree into a juice slightly, so it's slightly thicker as a smoothie, which I consider any puree added that becomes a smoothie as well. Right. So it might be sometimes people referring to uh, a juice that is like blended in like a papaya, slightly a little bit with papaya might be a smoothie, but not the ones with frozen product, keeping it cold. In terms of like uh, bowls, uh, I would I would stick with stuff that holds up well, you know, like overnight oats. I yeah. keeping the yeah. acai and the dragon fruit bowls. I I don't I don't I don't know any way that that's possible unless you're changing out every uh, two hours or so. It it kind of defeats its purpose. Uh, and also look at packaging for like your, your salads and stuff. I, a lot of times they could do, uh, you know, the, the dressing in a container on top or a Mason mm -hmm. jar and it's kind of layered so that the, the juicier products at the bottom and then the drier at top, they even have like parfaits that could be layered where the granola is not touching the yogurt. You take it out and then add it on. So right. definitely oh. get creative with the packaging and see how you can make it work, but, and switching out ingredients that will hold up well all day, one day, two days. So that's, that's my suggestion. Yeah. Maybe instead of leaning more into the smoothies and bowls, I would suggest leaning, like chef said, more into the snacks, like a layered, you know, like I'm just thinking about my particular cooler. Like what could I put in there right now that already exists, right? Like a, I have like a great avocado chocolate pudding, right. That holds really well, holds well temp in the, in the fridge, a, a um, trust chia pudding that's layered and really pretty and sexy when you look at it. And it's got like a blue layer, a pink layer and a matcha green layer. Um, but I think kind of leaning into more of those things that hold well in your grab and go fridge rather than worrying so much about um, trying to get a bowl client is probably the direction I would go in also. Yeah, that makes sense. Some things are really meant to be in the store, retail sort of food service yeah. items. And, some and they'll just be glad that you're there, right? Like they'll just be, they'll just take what they can get at that point. Maybe you could even put like coupons for your acai bowls in the fridge so that they bring them to your store and come into yeah. your store and stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go back to the Facebook group for this one. This is from Rachel, or it might be Rochelle. How, how do you spell Rachel? This is R A C H E L L E. Is that Rochelle? <laughs> you have no idea. Raquel. 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 Okay. Well, I apologize if I said it wrong. <laughs> hey there. I was wondering if anyone has a nutritional guide app or website, paid or free, that can help me with my menu. This takes forever to do myself. It usually just sticks whatever ingredient in there. And I have to hunt down for the proper one. Example, is silk coconut milk versus so delicious than having to hunt for something comparable that doesn't list what I use? So, Ari, let's talk about this from a food service business standpoint, how should people be calculating their nutritional facts? Yeah. First of all, you're not required to have them on your packaging unless you do, I believe it's over a million in sales on one particular item or over a hundred employees. 
if you don't hit either one of those, you're small business exempt and you're not, as long as you're not doing wholesale. Uh, so I get a lot of people ask what the information is on that and you want to be able to provide that, which is great. There, there's a few routes you can go. The first one is sending samples to a lab. There's tons of uh, laboratories available. I like using one that's called Certified Laboratories. You just send them a small sample. They analyze it. I believe last time I checked, it's around 600. Uh, but there, there's tons. Even universities will do them as well. So that's one route. Uh, in terms of nutritional databases, which are the ones online, the free ones are 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 free. You know, they're not good. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're not accurate at all. Uh, I've believe me, I've checked every single one that I could find. I haven't been able to find one because it doesn't have the specific process of what happens to the nutrients when you cold press it. You know, if you're uh, using a masticating juicer or a centrifugal juicer, it's going to be completely different. Uh, so there are great nutritional databases. Uh, the challenge, the thing with that is they're extremely expensive. Uh, they're subscription based and yeah, they're really expensive. So, uh, there you go ahead and you, you input your data, you, you submit your data, how much is in a portion and they'll go ahead and pull data from actual lab tests, combine it for your actual nutritional label. Um, we, we run one at good nature and we kind of run it like a shared service. So people can go ahead and submit their recipes. And then we, we submit it in the program. It'll generate the label and then we can provide that to you. It's pretty accurate. I think it's a lot closer than the free databases for sure. And I think it might be slightly more accurate than the actual lab testing. The reason why I say this is not a lot of people realize that uh, it's such a variable product, you know, produce in general. You know, whether you're getting from a certain farm, it'll change uh, nutrients. Uh, if you're getting it while it's in season or out of season, it's going to be different. So the database will have averages of the the information in there, which mm. I think will help out slightly. Another thing a lot of people don't realize is you have to be within produce is a type two product, they they call it, which means it has to be within a 20% range on a nutritional label. So that's not very accurate. Uh, the reason for that is because of produce. 20% two ways is a big range. Of, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's tough to get extremely accurate unless you send to a certified laboratory once every four years and average it out. I'd say your best bet is probably just running through a database if, if you really want that information. Uh, yeah. And those are really the main options I know of. Yeah. I mean, personally, I used, um, good nature for, um, the majority of my labels. And then I also use Clemson university, um, food and nutrition program for some other ones, all for my juice, um, you know, cold pressed juices and for my adaptogens, a wild crafted collection. Um, and I don't, I haven't done it for my smoothies and bowls for exactly this reason. And it's, irritating to me because I get the question at least four or five times a week, like how many macros is in your butter me up and how many this and how many that? And I'm like, listen, I know you really want the answer, but I don't feel like I can tell you what it is accurately. Um, because it's just, it's our house made almond milk. It's our, you know, it's just so difficult. If you put it in that damn app you have, that's what I want to tell them. I'm like, it's going to say that it's like a $1,200, 1200 calorie bowl. And it's not, you know, mm -hmm. So um, I need to just bite the bullet and go ahead and pay to do the recipes for the smoothies and the bowls. Um, but it's something that I also just don't, I don't like it when people are shopping that way from a calorie perspective, right? Yeah. Um, and I try to like control them <laughs> that way and I shouldn't, I should just go ahead and do it because it's on the labels for all my juices. But um, it's just, it's just so hard because in those free apps you have like on your phone, weight, weight watchers or whatever, you know, they all have them. They're comparing it to like a silk almond milk that has all of these gums and all of these, you know, um, yeah, sugars like all, and things almond and milk means something very different when you're making it. Totally. Versus, and I'm yeah. like, don't use that. Like, do not mm -hmm. put my thing. So what I'll do is I often 
I'll give them the recipe. I'm like, here's the recipe, right? Um, and I'll let them take a picture of it because I don't, I don't care. And I explain to them when you see almond milk, that is filtered water and organic almond that is not, has no gums and has nothing else in it. No sugar. A lot of them have straight up sugar in it. Yeah. Those health. Right. I love when it says like vanilla flavored, but unsweetened. I'm like, Oh really? (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) Oh, that, that reminds me of a story. So I report once and there's a juice bar there. I won't say the name. Because I believe they're custom in the LA airport. Uh-huh. And there's a juice bar there. They're good natured customers, so I don't want to say their name. <laughs> but uh so there's they didn't have juice at the airport, but they had smoothies. And I asked if I was gonna say I ordered smoothie. Look at the ingredients, there's no sugar in it, right? But they have vanilla in it. Then I get the smoothie, I taste it. I'm like, this is so sweet. I'm like, sorry, I specifically said I don't want any sugar. She's like, there's not any sugar. I'm like what about in the vanilla? Is there sugar in the vanilla? She's like, yes, the vanilla is sweetened. I'm like, well, what the hell? That's just putting sugar syrup in my smoothie without calling it sugar. You know? So I just like, oh, so mad. I didn't even drink it. I just left it on the counter and walked away. <laughs> I hate that so much. It's like, just tell me what yeah. the F is in what you're right. giving me to eat, right. you know? And then I can decide if I want to eat it or not. When you lie to me, I don't get right. to make a choice. Don't get me started. <laughs> Ooh, we won't, brother. Fired up. <laughs> I, I get fired up about the dishonest labeling or menus and stuff. It's like, look, yeah. just tell me, tell me the truth, and then I can decide if I want to consume it or not. But if you don't tell me the truth, I'm not making a choice anymore. And you're just like tricking me. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Charlie, was there a second part of the question that? Um... Oh. Yeah. Hold on, I paused it. To the voice Different question is, how do you, um, Olivia, if you have, do you have a set schedule with working in your juice bar and working on your juice bar? Um, and just how to divide your time up with that and what that looks like from an owner's perspective. Um, love good nature, make thousands of bottles of juice on our X1 Mini, um, love juice con. And we can't wait to be back again. Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> Nicole, it's first of all, let me say, I forgot that you had an X1 Mini. It is time to step up. You need the X1. I know how much volume you're doing in that shop. So <laughs> this is this is the peer pressure that you are ready to step into the X1. I know you are because I follow you closely. Um, gosh, that is such a struggle for me. And I will say that, um, you know, my schedule is mostly dominated by my children, um, my little tyrants. Um, and so I typically work, um, now that I have really good leadership in place, I've always worked, um, you know, once I have a chef and managers and that I work eight to two, cause I like to drop off my kids and pick them up. My husband's, um, a teacher and a coach, so he's in school at the same time. Um, but I will say I struggle with that a lot. And, um, particularly because Southern Press Juicery, we set that up to be such a community spot, just like I know Nicole's is where people come and they stay for a while. They come in at eight in the morning and they're there still at one o'clock. So they've had two services with us, you know, cause they're working on their computer or whatever, meeting friends. So it's hard because I, it's like social hour in there. It's like the cool kids club. And so I go in there to work and like all my friends are in there, you know, <laughs> and like all my regulars are in there. And I could be in there. I, I could be in there doing this podcast and people would come up and talk to me like with no, with no respect of the fact that I'm actually working um, because they're just there to hang out. And on one hand, I really love it. On the other hand, it's really hard to get shit done. Um, and so I started taking some days um, working, you know, operations and things that I needed to do outside of the juice bar. But even that's hard, right? Because like you, when you're running payroll, you have to be in the store to run everybody's hours. And so um, I would say, Try to spend some time, like I know my juice bar slows down a little bit at 10 o'clock, right before the lunch rush. So make sure you're in there in those slow hours where you can spend, you know, time with your associates and really checking on things, double checking their recipes and making sure that things operationally are running smoothly and that all your processes are running. But I would say at least try to take two days out of the juice bar if you can, if you've got a good staff that can run without you, without jacking up your labor costs. See if you can do maybe two mornings a week outside of the juice bar in a local coffee shop or supporting somebody else local um, and and try to get your stuff done. But it's important. And, you know, all of my important things would fall through the crack because 
I'd get behind the line, you know, when that, when I'd see there be a line, I would just jump behind and start washing out blender blenders or containers or making bowls. Cause I can make them faster than anybody. And it's so hard to turn a blind eye to that because your staff is looking at you like, are you not going to help us? Like we're dying. And you're like trying to place orders or you're trying to do all these things. Um, and the only, there's always going to be a fire. So the only way to really, I think, um, separate yourself out and to let them learn how to, how to get through it is to sometimes step away. Um, since I've been consulting a lot with good nature, I've actually stepped away from the operations, um, from the day to day. My, I just have got really good leadership in place. And to be honest, like hire people smarter than you that <laughs> I walk in and now they're like, Oh my God, she's going to slow us down. <laughs> so, um, so I'm mostly spending my time with good nature clients now, um, which has been a lot of fun, but yeah, find some time to get out of the shop. It's, it's necessary for sure. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's two different aspects too. Like, uh, are, are you, is your operation, do you have enough money to have someone in your place that could, uh, take your spot and ownership and run the operation or, or two, when you're starting out, you need to be there. It's, it's kind of, you have to be devoted to that operation, especially when you're starting out or if you're taking over an operation. And the reason for that is you need to work every, every single station. You have to under, understand every aspect of that operation as well. You know, not only from a, a learning aspect, but you got to earn the respect from your employees. You know, like you can't come into operation, think you're too good for doing something. You know, so doing that initially is a great thing. Cross training your employees to be able to work every station, understand every aspect as well is really important. And then let them kind of gravitate towards what station they want and be able to manage it from that aspect. Uh, but those are extremely critical because your operation is only as good as how it's run when you're not there, you know, and that is you have to keep thinking about that. And once that's at that point, then you could start thinking about taking time off, you know, being able to recharge and then also looking at the, uh, the overall operation, uh, taking a step back and seeing how you'll be able to grow because it, that's extremely important as well. Because if you're in there, uh, running stations every single day, it's going to be almost impossible to grow because you're focusing on day-to-day -day operations and you need to see where you want to take that operation. So you'll, you'll be able to hit a point eventually on when you can take some time off for yourself and think about the future of the operation for sure. But you'll know when it's ready. My general philosophy when hiring someone is I do the job first until I learn it, kind of what Ari's saying. Because that's the only way you can properly train and manage someone to do the job is if, if you know to do it first. So that's basically, like, for example, if you take our blog, right? I ran it first for a year. Like, I launched it, ran it, figured out all the technical details, what kind of content we wanted, and then had Robin slowly start to take over the management of it. And now I'm pretty much hands-off. Like, I'll write an article, but she does most of the posting and updating and editing and all that stuff I was doing and then slowly trained her into doing it instead of me. And it's very intentional delegation. Like, okay, now she's going to take over this. Now she's going to take over this. I think that's how you should probably treat uh, juice bar as well. Basically do it yourself. Then piece by piece, start delegating until all you're doing is managing everybody else. And then eventually hire someone to do that as well. And then I feel like that's when you can probably step away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we opened, I was opening, closing, I was, you know, labeling bottles in my living room. I mean, even, and even then we had chefs and managers, but it was, you know, we were learning the business together and you learned so much from one working every station, but two, um, knowing your regulars and knowing what the chat, I mean, how are you going to set a schedule if you don't know when the little rushes are, you know, not the lunch rush or the morning rush, but the little three thirty pops that happen every Monday and Wednesday, right? You, you don't know that. And so if you're just sitting at home making a schedule, you're could be overstaffing or understaffing, um, you know, always try to cut and put yourself in a position if you can. So if it's, if it's a really busy day, 
you know, and you feel like you have enough hands to be able to handle it. Sometimes that's the best day to take off. If you've got enough trained people, it's the slow days that you actually want to be in there when you don't want to, when you know sales are going to be crappy and you don't want to be paying three different people. Um, as long as on your busy days, you've got, you know, super strong line, then that's fine. Um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, opposite of what you would think. Um, on slow rainy days when nobody's walked in for two hours, cut everybody and you run it by yourself. Um, that's the only way to, you know, have money flow down to the bottom line is, you know, the only thing you, you can't create more sales if nobody's coming in. The only thing you can affect is how much you're spending on labor. So, um, but she's been up and running for like, like she said, four years now. So she should be getting to that point where she's, you know, um, she should have a strong, if nothing else, assistant manager or a key holder that can, you know, count the register in the morning, close at night and give her a couple hours off to start to grow her business. Um, because I, I think she's ready for that. And don't forget about the X one. <laughs> yeah. That'll free up some time. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's your time saver right there. <laughs> Also, you should probably have a conversation with your staff. Like if they're used to seeing you there every day and you're not going to be there every day now. Yes. Just tell them like, look, guys, I was growing this business so I could eventually step away and do something else or focus on other things or focus on growing the company. So Yeah. And I would say keep cameras too. Yeah. I mean, I watch my cameras all the time. But do you, what, you just sit at home with all your computer screens watching your cameras? Yeah. I'm like, oh, what are they doing? What are they saying? No, but you know, it's, um, uh, it's really important because when the, what is it? When the cat's away, the mouse will play, yeah. you know, and you got to make sure that's a big change for your business. When you're not there, you've got to make sure that they're keeping up with their dehack things, that they're freaking washing their hands before they clock in, that they're, um, you know, I've, I've caught people trying to close up shop at four o'clock, like what, take all the blenders mm -hmm. down and go in the back. And I'm like, Hello, you know, <laughs> what are you doing? I come over the speakerphone and I'm like, I'm watching you. Um, I have seen that backfire a little bit too <laughs> with the cameras. You know, like, what are you going to do with that? Where you toss that product out? Or, yeah. Uh, every, it's like, why don't you just come down here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think it's, you do need to have a conversation and with your guests too, you know, like that's something I get all the time now where I, when I pop in there and they're like, Oh, Olivia, where have you been? And I'm like, you guys, like, you know, I have three shops now. Luckily when you have more than one shop, you could always say that you're at the other shop, but, um, you know, it's, it, it will matter a lot because a lot of people come to your juice bar because of you and your passion for starting your business. And so, um, nobody wants to see you pull out right away because then they're just going to anticipate that things are going to fall, um, you know, fall off the, fall off the rails. So just make sure you're communicating with everybody and that your product, like chef said, is, is the best, even when you're not there. All right. Let's get into pro tips. Ari, what's your hot pro tip for the day? Nice. Uh, well, might be a, a little boring, but it's extremely important. <laughs> is it about logs? <laughs> your log for your master log. Come for your on, log. <laughs> don't ruin my uh my pro tip, Olivia. <laughs> no, it's it's washing produce. Oh, okay, yeah. so it's not a log. <laughs> Next best thing, uh, washing produce. It's it's extremely important to take extra steps. You know, a lot of you're only required to wash it with uh, cold running water, remove debris. I think it's extremely important to add an extra step. Uh, a lot of times we get questions about adding vinegar, uh, adding these different tablets. 100% fine. I think it's extremely important to just add that extra step to make the safest product possible. Uh, so be able to talk to your local inspector. You know, Make sure you use an approved product. I prefer antimicrobial wash. Uh, it's something you shouldn't be scared of using, especially in organic operations. You can find a certified organic product. Uh, you know, if Victory's still around from Ecolab or something similar, uh, because this product, it really removes a lot of the outside, the, the wax that some of the farmers might have on certain products. So it definitely keeps your product extremely safe. Uh, and also remove stickers, you know, on your produce. Uh, I know it's tough sometimes, especially when you got 40 pounds of apples with all the stickers on, uh, remove the stickers because when the inspectors come in, 
They see a sticker on certain produce items and you're juicing them. They just think you don't wash the product properly. It's happened. Uh, believe me, I've been there. Also, talk to your purveyors. You can get a no sticker policy. You know, hopefully they'll work with you on that where you can get your mm. produce without stickers on it. So. What a pro tip. Yep. <laughs> Dang. They had no idea there was a no sticker policy. Yep. Olivia, Enjoy. what's your pro tip today? <laughs> All right. Well, my pro tip is when I actually, um, if you watched my live this week, I talked about this, I think. Um, I really like, my pro tip is at the smoothie and bowl made to order station. And one thing that I like to do is try to reuse ingredients in different ways, present them in different ways. So um, on one of our most popular bowls called the Bee's Knees, we take um, Brazil nuts and early in the morning before our blenders are ever used um, and they're not wet, they're completely dry, we pulse them um, in the blender and our Vitamix to make like a crumble. Um, and it's a really soft, beautiful texture to add to a top of a bowl. Um, make sure that all the big pieces are gone, but that's something you can do with a lot of things. Like you can do that with all sorts of nuts. Um, and that's a way to sort of use the same ingredient that you already have on the bar, not always be constantly having, um, a ton of different ingredients that you maybe just use for each bowl, right? You want to try to use as much as you, as you can of one item um, within reason. And so just kind of sometimes presenting it in a different way. Um, so, you know, maybe try with a pecan or with a macadamia nut, just make sure that your blender is dry because if it's too wet and if you're actually blending it instead of pulsing it, you'll start to make a nut butter. So I like to pulse it a few times and then open the blender and then kind of take it out with my spatula, take it out from behind, um, the blades and then just keep pulsing it and, um, make sure you're doing that in the morning when your blender is dry. Yeah. Nice. I like, uh, have you ever tried a food mill before? Tried what? A food mill, you know, a ricer. Oh no. They were great too. Yeah. I had a, uh, I had a chef that was kind of extremely particular about his black pepper. Oh. And he always had us, he had a recipe card for this. It it didn't even make sense, but basically he had (laughs) us run black pepper. We toast it in the oven and then we would go ahead and run it through a food mill or a ricer. Oh, wow. And it would get like a perfect size. We'd sift out the very small black pepper and then we'd have perfect uh, cracked black pepper. Wow, that's intense. (laughs) All right, my tip today, always stay busy. I think this is specifically like when you're using a good nature press. Yeah. Um, It's amazing how easy it is to kind of forget that while the press is pressing, you can be doing other things. Right, so you grind in the X1 Mini, and then you hit the press button. You have four minutes where you can be prepping the next batch. You can be cleaning. You can be bottling. Um, it's amazing how much more efficient you or the your employee making juice can be if you just remind them to not stand around waiting for the press to finish. This is so funny because there's <laughs> one of on the Facebook group. You can see he's a client of ours. Um, chef helped him with his recipes and, and I helped him with his branding. He's, he's out of Palm Beach gardens, which is where I'm from in Florida. And he got, he did, he posted a video of getting his M1. And so he came to see me in Greenville at Southern Press Juicery. And he's like, Olivia, okay, when I do this recipe, it takes me so, and so, you know, whatever, however long it took. And I was like, Edward, the whole time you were just, I watched the video, you were just (laughs) sitting there staring at the juice coming out. He was like, it was such a beautiful thing. (laughs) You got to be prepping and doing other things. And he's like, okay, okay, next time I will. But it was so cute because he was so excited. You remember he did that whole unboxing of his his M1? And I was like, okay, no more just watching the juice come out. You've got, there's other things to be doing. (laughs) No, it's, yeah. Or else Olivia will yell at you from the the camera. She'll send you a text. Go go start cleaning. (laughs) Hey, if there's time to lean, there's time to clean. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. No, it it really is, though. you know, we rate our machines at how many bottles per hour they can do maximum. And, uh, of course, the juicing, the actual juicing part is only one part of the process. It's like if the machine is working all the time, this is how many bottles you can get. Right. Then people will call and complain. They're only getting, like, 25% of the rated rate. It's like, well, what are you doing while it's pressing, you know? 
It's like, well, what do you mean? Well, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not like prep. Wait, I'm sorry, choking. It's not like prep, weigh, grind, press. Prep, weigh, grind, press. Like a lot of those can be done while it's pressing. I like how you're drinking water because I'm choking and I don't have any water. To <laughs> you know, as you started, I think it was mental. But as your voice started changing because you choked, you started to sound like Eric. Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> That's really funny. Like Eric's morphing in. Um, hey. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm like queen of saying things and then apologizing later. But um, Charlie and I talked about this yesterday and I'm really excited about it, but I'm going to be in Europe this summer and I want to go ahead and start like get the buzz going that I want to be visiting juice bars. Mm. I'll be particularly in Spain, um, June through, you know, through half of July. But if there's any listeners out there that are in Spain uh, let us know. Do a call in because I want to come and see you. I'd like to do like a European meetup because um, I'll be there for a while. So cool. I'm I might, I might have to come out for your meetup. That might be fun. Oh, I know. Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> Ari, you got to come too. <laughs> yeah, why not? How unfortunate. <laughs> That'd be cool. Maybe, maybe we can do a Good Nature Radio Live from Spain. Yeah. From Barcelona. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. All right. Once again, thank you everyone for good podcasts. Enjoy your week and uh, your weekend, and I'll uh, see you next week. It's another Friday. This week I did it my way. I made lots of juice, and now I feel a boost. Baby, say, oh, it's the way I make my juice. Pressing fruits and roots. This week I did it my way. Baby, say, oh. Have some fun. There is nothing greater than Friday's academic nature.